1590 WAKR. We're 17 minutes in front of 7 o'clock and want to bring in my good friend, Dr. Debbie Plate, Cleveland Clinic, Akron General, for a visit with us. And the holiday season is coming upon us. And maybe some of you have some time off or even right now because we're hearing so much about shingles, maybe more than we ever have. And also the availability of getting pneumonia vaccines. There's vaccines out there for these two. And there seems to be growing concerns, especially on the shingles front. So I thought maybe it was time for a little bit of an education on one, the vaccine for these two and shingles, maybe a basic education on that front. And Dr. Plate kind enough to join us this morning on those topics. So, Debbie, I guess let's start at the base floor. When we talk about shingles, explain exactly what this is. Uh, Good morning, Ray. Uh, well, you know, we know that if we have been exposed to the chickenpox vaccine, uh, chickenpox virus, which many of us have throughout our lifetime, that this virus then remains dormant in our system and can reactivate at any point in time. So exposure or having chickenpox, most of us, if we had the blood work to see if we had uh, our body recognize that virus would have positive testing. And so this uh, virus remains dormant for a long time and can, for whatever reason, reactivate. When we say reactivate, come back alive and really uh, give us some uh, uh, the painful blistering rash that can be so concerning. And one of the biggest things uh, for shingles, if we were to get shingles, a couple things. Number one, um, certainly even a respiratory component to this systemic component. We can really get some bad infections with this shingles um, infection. And the other concern certainly is chronic pain as a result of this rash. It's one thing to have the pain during shingles, but some folks, a small percentage of folks, can get lifelong uh, pain. Right? So it's really something that we want to be very proactive with. We also know, Ray, that as we age, the immune system weakens. doesn't matter how healthy you are, how great you're eating, how well you exercise. Our, as we age, our immune system changes. It weakens uh, naturally. Thus, the more important these vaccines are. So we talk about the Shingrix, S-H-I-N-G-R-I-X, Shingrix. It's the newer version of the old shingles vaccine that was out there, which that was a live virus. This one is not a live virus. And what that means to our listeners is that just about anybody can get this vaccine over the age of 50. So 50 is the age for the shingles for us to begin to have the discussion. And we know that one in three folks out there will develop shingles. And those are pretty good odds that, um, you know, certainly one in three of us is going to have this painful rash. So we want to be very, very careful. We also know that anybody on medication that causes us to be immune, such as chemotherapy, prednisone, some of the psoriasis meds, put us at absolute risk for shingles. So lots to think about when we think about this uh, shingles vaccine. Debbie, I was preparing for our conversation this morning as well on shingles. I was reading, you were talking about, you know, concerns with damage. I was even reading because shingles is so devastating that to some people they get permanent nerve damage on some of the areas where the rash occurs. That's right. That's right. And that's the biggest concern 
is that for some folks, right, this could be lifelong nerve pain. We've got medications that can help work with that, but they're not ideal, uh, and they certainly don't take the pain away. They can make it tolerable. So I think it's an important thing to, to think about. It's a vaccine typically that's fairly well covered uh, for folks, depending on where you are on the age line. Uh, you want to check with your pharmacy. You want to check with your primary care provider to find out where's the best place for you to get that in the doctor's office at the pharmacy, uh, as it may be different for you cost-wise, depending on your age. And so uh, really some important things to consider. We know that shingles does not give someone else shingles. That's important to know. But shingles can give someone chickenpox who's never had chickenpox. So a child who hasn't been vaccinated, an infant under the age of 12 months, if you've got shingles, uh, you could certainly be contagious to someone who is very, very vulnerable. We also know that shingles tends to be not or any longer contagious when it dries up. Um, and so keeping it covered, keeping it away from others until it dries up can be very, very important. Uh, but shingles does not give shingles to others. It does or could give chickenpox to others. Debbie, what and you, you, you specified that age 50 and over. What if we're talking to some of our folks who are 50 plus who never got chickenpox? Can they also get shingles then? Well, that's a good question. As I say, oftentimes when we test ourselves, if we were to have the blood work to see if our system recognizes this virus, this chickenpox virus, we find that, yes, in fact, most of us uh, have some recognition of that. Uh, if that test was negative for it, then you would be less likely to develop uh, shingles. But if that test is positive, indicating your system recognizes that virus one way or the other, you could be at risk. The other question is, Ray, gee, if I've had it once, can I get it again? And we do see folks, uh, I have some folks that have had it actually two, three uh, times in the same area recurrent, which is a big concern. Um, and so those are the folks that absolutely can benefit uh, from the vaccine and sometimes can even benefit from what we call preventive or prophylactic um, medication. Uh, but the, virus, the vaccine is a good one. Uh, it's safe. It is uh, actually a series of two right, right now, uh, two to six months apart. So when you get your first one, you have an idea of when the next one is due. So you must complete both of them to complete the series to be fully vaccinated against shingles. Um, and so, again, a series of two after the age of 50 is what we're recommending. Well, this is Dr. Debbie Play, Cleveland Clinic, Akron Channel. Debbie, I think Jean has a question for you on shingles before I want to move on to pneumonia. Jean, what's your question on shingles? So let's just say I never had chicken pox and I haven't had a blood test. If I got the shingles vaccine kind of prophylactically, would that put me at risk for shingles or just be a nice little shield and it wouldn't make any big deal if I had gotten tested for it or not? Yeah, great question, Jean. It would not put you at risk for shingles. Uh, it is not a live uh, vaccine. Um, and so therefore that risk is uh, little to none at this point. So uh, a lot of folks say, gee, I want to have the protection on board. Uh, I don't want the blood work. I want to assume that I've been exposed and that potentially I could get shingles. So uh, the vaccine would not cause shingles typically. I will say that some folks do find uh, 24 hours after the vaccine that they're very fatigued. Uh, fatigue and achy can occur. Uh, that means your immune system is taking the vaccine in and building its armor against the virus. Um, so that it does not 
uh, cannot typically give you shingles. So great question. With us is Dr. Debbie Play, Cleveland Clinic, Akron General. You know, we've talked about the flu and the, and the flu shots and everything. Debbie, another dangerous thing, especially for the older population, is pneumonia this time of year. Pneumonia can kill many. But there's also a lot of people might not realize there's some vaccine available for pneumonia. Can you go down that road for us? Yeah, certainly. This is a great um, a conversation to be having at this time of the year. There's a new vaccine in town, Ray, and it's called Prevnar 20. And Prevnar 20 is a little different than some of the other pneumonia vaccines that our folks have had out there. And some of our listeners may not be eligible for this because they've done the Prevnar 13 and the Pneumovax. Normally, Ray, we give a pneumonia shot at 65 years young. And some folks get it sooner. Um, and some of those folks have asthma, they may be smokers, they may be immunocompromised, they may even have diabetes, which puts you at risk for bacterial pneumonia. Heart disease also um, can make us eight times more uh, at risk to develop pneumonia. So uh, some of our folks get a pneumonia shot earlier than 65, but at 65, we then have the conversation for lifelong protection. And this Prevnar 20 can be a nice uh, option for folks. You have to talk to your care provider so we can look at your uh, immunizations to find out what you've had so far and which one is the best fit because there's Pneumovax, there's Prevnar 13, 15, and 20, and uh, it's an important conversation to be having. So what does this mean? This means this protects you against bacterial pneumonia. I had a couple of patients admitted this weekend with COVID and COVID pneumonia. That's a viral pneumonia, and sometimes we're treating with antibiotics because there can be a bacterial component to it. So when we talk about flu and COVID, we're talking virus. When we're talking about um, pneumococcus, pneumococcal pneumonia, we're talking bacterial. So Prevnar 20 indicates there's 20 types of bacteria within strep that we are protecting you against. And this is what can be extremely um, uh, deadly and very concerning with regards to our uh, aging process. And so uh, protecting yourself with a pneumonia shot is really, really critical. And as I say, there's a new one in town to have a conversation about with your uh, provider. Debbie, when we talk about pneumonia itself, talk about pneumonia and education. Can it come from bronchitis? Can it come from a bad head cold? Can it come from different other ailments? And how does pneumonia form? Yeah, uh, pneumonia can come from any of those respiratory concerns. You could have a simple cold, uh, perhaps the RSV virus that you hear about. For us to get that as adults, runny nose, cough, uh, typically, that comes and goes within three to five days, maybe seven days. But sometimes we then can develop fever, shortness of breath, and a cough where we're producing phlegm. We're bringing up quite a bit of uh, a phlegm or fluid. That's when we get a little bit concerned about oxygen requirements and the fact that fluid may be developing in portions of the lung. And so I can't tell you how many folks are here in the last couple of weeks that we've had that probably started viral but then potentially became bacterial requiring antibiotics. And again, shortness of breath, fever, fatigue, excuse me, lingering symptoms beyond three to five days is what we worry about. Um, and again, shortness of breath. 
I often ask about, gee, tell me about walking across the room. How's your breathing? Are you having any trouble? Have you noticed that it's been harder to breathe with this respiratory infection? And so then oftentimes we will look at a chest X-ray and we'll check your oxygen on your finger with the pulse ox to see where you are with things, just to see where, in fact, this infection may be going. But you bring up a good point to say, hey, this can start off as potentially uh, what we might call a cold from the neck up and then head down into the lungs. And that's when it becomes very important for us to be keeping a close eye on things. We know that, Ray, that Ray, as we age, aging alone puts us at six times higher risk for bacterial pneumonia. And so let alone any asthma, smoking, immunocompromised, diabetes, heart disease, all of those uh, raising our risk up to 17 times uh, for a potentially bacterial pneumonia. And bacterial pneumonia certainly uh, can be very, very alarming and tough to get through. So very, very important to be having conversations and not allow things to go a couple weeks without having conversations with the care provider. 